I am Steamy Contemporary Romance author Sherry Hayes, and I'm joined today by Marianne Morea, Paranormal Romantic Suspense and Thrillers. Um, and today, Sherry and I are going to be talking all things graphics for writers. Uh, we're not going to teach you how to create your graphics, but we're going to talk about how to begin looking into the tools that you would need in order to be able to start doing your own ads and anything else you can think of that you might want to use. So yes, yes. And there are, there are quite a few different options out there. Some of them are better than others and some of them just depend on what you want. So we're going to kind of dive into the different options that we have, some of which we have used, some of which we have not kind of tell you the the pros and cons of each and what each kind of offers for authors. It based on a lot of it's based on your comfortability and your skill level. Um, be yes. pretty upfront about that. Um, just for an example, what I use for my graphics is completely different than what Marianne uses because Marianne has a design, a graphics design background. I um, do. Yes. So it, the comfort level and the skill level for each author is going to be different and you have to find the one or two things that work best for you. And it's okay. If you're, if your other author friends are using something else than you are, that's perfectly fine. It's just, you want to create, be able to create professional looking graphics. And that does take time too. I will say that my graphics have gotten much better over the years. I'm still using Mm -hmm. the same software, the same programs, but I have gotten better at learning how to utilize those <laughs> those sites, uh, those tools, and yeah. that comes with time. Yep, because back in the day, you know, when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, and I was <laughs> in college, <laughs> you know, my my background is journalism, English literature, and graphic design. And I have a master's in graphic design. Um, I, you know, so I have a lot of skills, but like I said, back in the day, it was a lot of pen and ink because, um, and doing old fashioned layouts because uh, there was no, there were no, there was no such thing as laptops and computer software Mm -hmm. to be able to do it. And then when I went for my master's in 1994, it was really just the advent of it all. Um, And it's come a tremendous way in 30 years. I mean, it really Mm -hmm. has. I mean, it's like, it's like now it's like what you would think about as science fiction back then. And a a lot of it has become seamless drag and drop. You have, you have programs like Bookbrush and Canva, which they have free levels for you to be able to at least go in and try them to see whether or not you want to be able to use this program or if it suits your needs. They have existing templates where you can use your own branding if you want you can change the color scheme to to match your branding you it has all these built-in fonts that you can use but the you know there are some limitations to the free one because obviously they're not going to give you all the bells and whistles without you paying for it the drag they have you can do yes there is a lot of it that you can do um and there it's it's a it's a good way for you to to dip your toes in to designing your own artwork basically for advertising, especially for social media, because posting in social media is, is it's a necessary evil in terms of marketing, because that's how we reach our readers. In addition yeah. to our newsletters, you have to post new things. Yes. You can't just keep, you can't just put one 
static image up and just keep using it over and over and over and over again. You have to make things fresh and new. So you do need to have something that you utilize to make graphics because for most authors, it is not financially advantageous to pay someone to make every single graphic that you need made. I mean, I, no, I, post, and I, and I post every day on Facebook and it's usually one other place of social media. So realistically, I'm using at least 10 images every week. I can't post right. one image 10 times, you know, some on multiple at the same platforms. You're not going to get, you're not going to see the results on that that you want. Right. And you also have to remember that there are certain ones that are certain social media platforms that are linked. Like if you post mm -hmm. on TikTok, you can then um, you can then post it to Insta Instagram Reels and you and also from Instagram Reels to Facebook. So you don't want the same image or the or little animated video that you can do in Bookbrush or in Canva um, to be in on three different platforms and have it be the same thing because mm -hmm. readership does overlap on those platforms. I mean, are you going to be reaching extra other people? Absolutely. Because demographics change. I mean, the same people who are using Facebook, you know, traditionally are not going to be the ones using TikTok. It's a much younger demographic, but they do, but the older, older people, the older demographic is starting to use Instagram, especially in the real, you know, using in the real. So you have to be careful and you have to be smart about it um, in terms of designing uh, a myriad of graphics, whether they're yeah. teasers or new releases, launches, or just, you know, uh, breathing new life into a backlist, you know, or if you're running a sale, or if you've got a, a new edition coming out for an anniversary, you know, of a book mm -hmm. or, or something, or if you're just um, looking to engage your readership with something other than a, other than a buy my book type of a thing or a new release. You know, that's another thing that's mm -hmm. important that you can use um, these programs for. Besides Bookbrush and Canva, there are some other ones because Bookbrush and Canva do have uh, paid uh, pro levels. But if you really find that you have an aptitude for it, there's also PicMonkey and there's Photoshop. Photoshop is the grand dam of all art programs. They really are. It really is, especially when it has to do with manipulating photographs and doing layering. But it's very, very that the learning curve on it is very steep. Yes, very, very um, steep. But I've, I've, I've watched people do it on classes and I'm just sitting here going, you've already lost me. I, I mean, we're two minutes in and you've lost me completely. And yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it it can be very difficult, but I don't want to dissuade anybody from wanting to try it. If you have an aptitude or if you have a little bit of an art background or if you took art classes in college, I don't want to I don't want to dissuade you from doing it. It, it you know, because it's not as financially out of the ballpark as it used to be. You know, Photoshop used to cost upwards of between seven and nine hundred dollars for you to buy mm -hmm. the program. And now it is on par with PicMonkey, where you can it's it's basically ten ninety nine a month. And it gives right. you every bell and whistle you could think of, including tutorials and so forth for you to learn. Whereas PicMonkey for $7.99 a month, it gives you the basic, basic level. And there's so much you cannot do in that basic level. And you're still paying for it. You have to go up to $12.99 a month. So therefore, it's more expensive than Photoshop. 
Is the learning curve as much? I don't know. I can't speak to that because I don't, I've never used PicMonkey. I am a Photoshop girl. I have always been a Photoshop girl, but I do use BookBrush and I do use Canva. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so let's now talk, that, let's talk about we, a little bit about, let's break this down. Let's break this down a little bit. Sure. So, um, because you said that you use BookBrush and Canva and Photoshop. Let's talk about like what specifically each platform is good at so we can break this down for everybody. I know personally, there are some things that I prefer to do in BookBrush and other things I prefer to do in Canva. One of the big drawbacks for me of BookBrush is if I have a picture uh, that I, a stock photo that I have purchased elsewhere that I want to import into BookBrush to utilize on one of my graphics versus using one of their uh, stock graphic backgrounds, it takes forever to upload. Versus if I upload that same picture in Canva, it takes a fraction of the time. It's the same picture, same, you know, same pickle, pixel, pixels, not pickles, pixels but it <laughs> takes so much longer to upload into bookbrush and i'm not really sure why that is um and what their program does to manipulate that um but on the other hand i like when i have to put when i want to put a, a book cover on a graphic i like the way bookbrush their templates for books the ebooks and the uh, and the paperbacks and stuff are uh, that you can just plug into it. Whereas with Canva, it's a little more complicated. You usually have to utilize the flat one or you have to create the 3D image somewhere else and then import it into Canva as a separate image that you're layering on top of. Whereas yeah. book, whereas book yeah. brush is like all kind of like it's already there and you're just they can combine it for you. Um, so what do you use the two, what do you use differently each platform for specifically? Bookbrush, can you hear me? Cause I, yeah. I, I okay. Um, Bookbrush I use for quick and dirty when I don't have the time to actually sit where I have my cover already done or my graphic already done and I can just drag it in, drop it, change the font and then it's ready to go. I use Canva for um, templates for Instagram and for TikTok and for things like um, Photoshop banners, you know, and and I'm not Photoshop banners, uh, Facebook banners. And for uh, if I want to do simple animations, I use that's what I use can Canva for simple animations. I've also used Canva for more um, complex of uh, animations, like where I actually have video mm -hmm. that I'm going to import and I want to be able to import um, either paid audio or use one of their pro audios because I have I have Canva Pro, you know, I've, I've, I paid to have the, the professional level, you know, to be able to have I mean, I've got a couple of those videos up on TikTok that I've done, but mostly um, like you said before, that you have to make a graphic elsewhere, like a 3D graphic, and then import it. And you have to do that for either of them. Um, I do that in Photoshop. I use, a, I use a company. If I don't want to create it from scratch, there's a company that's called Cover Vault. Mm 
And um, if you have Photoshop, it will give you a template in Photoshop where you can actually drop in a spine, you can drop in a cover, you can drop in a back cover, you can manipulate it. And then from there, you can use that anywhere. You can use this directly straight from your Photoshop file, or you, you can make it either into a JPEG or a PNG file. And those are the two. PNG usually allows you to have no background, whereas a JPEG will automatically slap a white background on it. And sometimes you don't want that. You want your images to be isolated. So, and that's where a PNG file is, be is best for that. Um, you know, but the, you know, there's all, e each one of these with book, with book brush or with Canva, they give you a pretty decent sized font list. You know, it's not there. Mm -hmm. You can't import fonts to it. It's at least as far as I know, um, you can't, but with Photoshop, you can buy, and I stress buy fonts because there are places where you can go and you can download free fonts. But Sherry and I were talking right before we started recording that anything that's going to give you something that's free, you have to worry about licensing. All right, because licensing is very, very important. Whatever graphics you're going to use inside any of these, these programs that we're talking about, it really comes down to where you're getting your imagery. If you're not wow. taking the photo yourself and you're, or you're not drawing an, an illustration yourself, that means you are then taking a piece of artwork or, or photography or whether it's an illustration, a vector or a pixel, you know, pixel-based you know, photograph, mm -hmm. and you are going to use somebody else's work therefore you have to pay for it it's licensing and and there are yeah. different levels of licensing that you have to that you have to make sure that you're paying for that's there, why if you go yeah. to shutterstock deposit photo iStock, those companies are stock photos they're not particular to you you don't buy it and then suddenly you know you don't license it and then suddenly no one else can that doesn't work that way all right somebody you, that's why you see sometimes there's a lot of um, book covers that have a lot of the same the same people on them, a lot of the same couples, a lot of the same images. Um, they are either paid or subscription, and they're specifically for stock photos. If you want video, that's a separate sub subscription. So you have to be really careful um, to make sure that your licensing is correct, that, that the commercial license that you have allows you to do everything that you wanted to do, because some of it is just for digital advertising. But if you're going to put it on something in print, that, that violates terms of service. So you, you have to be, make sure you that your commercial read. license covers everything. Yeah, you got to yes. read. And, and I will also say, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, unless you take a picture yourself, I recently found out that that is actually not always the case, which is um, like, apparently you are not allowed to go to a zoo and take a picture of an animal and use that for commercial purposes because the zoo owns the animal. Um, so, okay. And so I wasn't, I was talking about like outside, right, your, like if you took a right. picture of a flower, right. it's your flower. Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> now, if it's something on your property or something like that, you're fine or whatever, but I just be aware that if you are going to go and take a picture, um, if you are on somebody else's property uh, or you are, you know, something like a zoo or something like that, do your due diligence and research um, what that yes. potential copyright might be, who actually, if you do have to get permission to use 
uh, said picture. Um, consulting a lawyer is always helpful. And I will, I'm going to put a little plug in here. Um, there is a company called Legal Shield. And um, what they are is it is a subscription-based legal service. So you pay a monthly fee to have access to a lawyer on pretty much any given subject at any time. And, and the kind no, of lawyer you want is an intellectual property lawyer. You don't need a real estate lawyer or somebody who's going to make right. your, who's going to do your wills for you. You need, right. you need exactly. an intellectual property attorney. Right. And what this company does is they will go to a law firm within the state that you're in and they contract with that law firm. And that law firm has to do a, like a basically full service legal. Um, so they're not just doing family law or criminal law or whatever they're doing full service law so they have different lawyers that specialize in different things and so you you're able to call them when you have a question which i have done i've been a member of legal shield for probably close to 15 years and they have there's a the lady who does the copyright and intellectual property she knows me well <laughs> we've talked many times um yeah but i can pick up the phone i can call call the the legal shield number let them know what i'm calling about and they will take down the basic gist of my information and then one of their lawyers calls me back within 24 hours and i i don't have to pay an additional fee to get that legal advice they will also review if you are an author and you are potentially looking to sign with a small press or um, a publisher of any type or even enter into an anthology contract they will actually review yes. a contract for you up to 10 pages long again for no additional fee to you so your monthly your monthly membership fee covers that. And for me, it has been well worth the monthly fee to not have to worry about being like, oh crap, I need a lawyer to look at this. Or, oh, you know, I really would like to have some legal advice on this. Do I really want to throw down, you know, 200, 300, $400 to go sit down and talk to a lawyer? Um, if, if, if you can get away with that, that cheap, because a lot of times right? to have Depends an attorney on, on retainer could be as much as, Twenty five hundred to ten thousand dollars, depending on where you live. So, right. and the reason why Sherry and I are stressing, you know, to go about doing your graphics because graphics aren't just for advertising; it's not just for social media. This includes book covers as well. Mm -hmm. Whether you're going to, if you decide you're going to design your own book cover, or yeah. more importantly, if you're going to have a, a a cover artist do your book covers, you have to make sure that they are dotting all their I's and crossing all their T's legally in terms of correct commercial licensing, mm -hmm. right? With the with the stock images that they're using, or if you have paid for them to go out and post for you of uh, of of you know cover artist models you know, that then those those photographs then become proprietary to you because you've paid for them, mm -hmm. that they have that they have also done things the correct way, because like as Sherry knows, which she just went through, she paid for 
a cover artist to take, you know, to have custom artwork, custom photographs done. And she had to fight with this, the, her cover artist to be able to get the, the, her, her licensing to prove that she owned the, the, the artwork, that she owned the, the photographs. So, yeah. you know, you can't just automatically just find somebody on Facebook who's a cover artist and not do your due diligence. You have to make sure that they are doing this correctly. Now, cover artists will belong to Shutterstock, Deposit Photos, Adobe, Adobe Art, iStock, these paid subscription uh, services that I've, I've spoken to you about before. And a lot of times, because this is their bread and butter, they will buy an entire stable of stock mm-hmm. art. And, but, the, but those images, it's not like a one and done. They, they have the right to be able to use them again. Now, should they use them again? That's up for that's up for grabs. You know what I mean? If you know yeah. if, if they're, they're, they're you know they should they should really if they're going to use one image, it should probably not be used again unless they're talented enough to be able to go into Photoshop and manipulate those images so much that you're not that they're unrecognizable, you know, so that they don't look like they have one cover that is so similar to another cover. You know, that is a that's a an issue where stock photography has has caused some some ripple effects in yeah. terms of copyright. Yeah. So. No, we um, maybe talk about we talk about uh, the difference between a stock photo and a, a a custom exclusive photo and i know that seems kind of self-explanatory but when you're looking at your your pictures that you're purchasing you need to especially if you're doing so from a cover designer or a photographer you need to again read the contract and know what you're signing know what you're buying for that what the price yes, you're paying right. because a stock photo yes. because it's being sold and used multiple times is going to be your cheapest option uh, a lot of times right. you can pay as little as ten dollars a photo uh, sometimes even less if you buy uh, they have these some of these sites have special packages, packages that you can buy yep. and you can get it cheaper than that but i would say 10 to 20 dollars is about the range that you're going to pay for a stock image um right and sometimes they'll run a special right because right. like, i just have i have deposit photo and I, they ran a special not too long ago that it was $80 and it was for, I think it was a hundred images that you could download, mm-hmm. but they only give you 365 days in order to right. download those images. It's not like you have the right to download them, you know, for the rest of your life. And more importantly, if you download it once, when you redownload it, that counts as another download. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you have to be really careful and make sure that you're not just downloading images that you think you're going to try that you make sure that you download the comp is image the comp issue comp is short for composition and basically what it is is when you are fooling around on your on your on whatever it's not the high graphic program you decide to use it's not high resolution and the other thing you have to remember is when you are downloading images from any of these images image companies these subscription companies they're going to give you different formats in, the, in terms that you can you can mm-hmm. download. You can download vectors. You can download EPS files. You can download JPEGs. All right. Those images are usually high res and they get the, the resolution gets higher and higher depending on the size. When you're doing something that's only going to be looked at digitally, meaning that it's only going to be, you know, on social media or looked at on a computer or on a phone or on an, on an iPad, 
you don't need high resolution. And that's probably one of the reasons why Sherry is having issues uploading these high resolution images to Bookbrush because mm -hmm. they're probably 600 dots per inch, which is a very high, it's, it's a, you know, or 1200 dots per inch, which is a high resolution image when for something that is just for screen only, it only has to be 72 dots per inch. So, but you have to be careful because if you're going to download something that's really low res, you cannot use it for print. Everything right. will be blurry and pixelated. Right. So you have, I mean, no? so you have to kind of like balance that. And for me, I would rather have the high resolution image um, just in case I did ever want to use it for print um, or for right. like, and, and when I say print, I'm not just talking about book covers. When, if you go to book signings, you may want a banner that you, you right. know, to put up and you will need a high resolution image for that. You cannot yes, use and depending the on the res. size of the and yeah. depending on the size of the banner, you may need something that's higher than 300 or 600. You may need 1200 right. DPI. And the other right. thing is you want to if you want to do cover flats, something you can sign and you can give away, you know, as a, you know, as a, a an inexpensive way to right. be able to 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 have swag to give out. Um there's so there's there's a this is where Programs like Photoshop are terrific because when you're going to, if you're going to buy a deposit, you know, something from like say deposit photos, that is a high resolution image. If you throw it into Photoshop, you can lower the resolution or even increase the resolution, not you know, increasing the resolution on something that's 600 DPI. You can increase it a little bit. You can increase it somewhat, but you can't take something that's 72 DPI and make it 300. It just won't right. work you know, it, when you print it out, but you can take something that's 300 dots per inch and you can make it 72 for screen use, but you just, and you just save as you make a copy of it so that you got one that's a low resolution and you have one that's high resolution. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same download. You're just using it for two different mediums. And that does not, does not um, violate terms of service to do it no. that way. So um, I have to, I have to say that when it comes to graphics, because you know, like I said, this is kind of like my, my bailiwick, it's my wheelhouse. Um, do not, and I cannot stress this enough, do not download images off of Google and just oh, use them. Okay. That, that is such a you rookie know? mistake. I mean, I, I mean, if you're, if you're doing not. that, please stop. If you're doing, if you're listening to this and you're Those doing Those images that, please, don't belong to you. stop. <laughs> Those You're images don't even belong to, to Google. <laughs> All right. No. They are, they just are propagated into the internet and that doesn't make them free. They're still intellectual property. I mean, I know there are, there are certain factions out there that believe that if you upload something into the internet world and, you know, online, that therefore you lose your rights to it. You do not. There are people who believe that if you have, if you upload a book into an ebook, therefore, because it's an ebook and it's out there and it's available and it's been pirated, it should be free simply because it's out there on the internet and easily accessible. It's not. There's a reason why it's called intellectual property and property as in ownership. Okay. So yeah. please respect that and guard yourself for your own intellectual property. Respect somebody else's artwork, respect somebody else's creativity, the same way you want somebody to respect yours and not pirate yours. Right, yeah. So, you, okay, you, you wanna, you wanna rant done, off soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wanna, you wanna be very, very, very careful with using images that you're not paying for, and that's across the board. I mean, it, it like, like Mary, like we've talked about, if you're going out into your backyard and you're taking a picture of a flower or your garden or something like that, that's a whole other ball game than going on and doing a Google image search 
and being like, oh, I like that picture. I'm going to use it for my book cover. Please don't do that. <laughs> Please no. don't do that. The other thing uh, is a lot of times if you if you go and you search Shutterstock or deposit photo or iPhoto, if you right click, you can do a save as and it will download and it will have watermarks all over it. All right. Do not use something that is watermarked because it makes you look ridiculous. Those um, images that are watermarked are for composition only for you to be able to do your layouts to see what the, you know, if the image even works for you and what you're trying to do, because what if you buy it, you download an image, it costs you 10 or $20 to download that image. You drop it into your layout, whether it's your book cover or your ad or your teaser or what have you, and it doesn't work. Then what? You've wasted twenty dollars. That's what the that's what the comps are for. But they're watermarked. And when yeah. you use a program, any of the programs, even BookBrush, Canva, or Photoshop, you can then swap out the image with the high resolution one, with the correct one, the one that you've downloaded mm -hmm. correctly. I mean, I've had I've had people tell me, oh, you can use Pixabay. Okay, Pixabay has um, free licensing, but like I said before, anything that is up for fencing, that type of thing, it may say donation, give a donation to the to the creator. If you don't give a donation to the creator of that piece of artwork, then that might be that that might be in the fine print in the very bottom that tells you you cannot use this. Yeah. I would be very iffy about anything that you can download for free, whether or not whether it's a font or whether it's an image or whether it's a video, because those things, they may have, you know, there also might be something attached to them. That's going to mm -hmm. screw up your laptop. I've done that myself. Yes. I've had that problem. I've had that problem myself when I've looked at something, you know, just for, just for inspiration and then had it screw up my laptop last summer. I almost lost, I, I lost just about everything, you know, because of, because of a, a Trojan horse that was attached to something that I was searching. So be careful. Yeah. Yeah, be very, very careful. Well, in the last uh, couple minutes, um, I wanted to talk, kind of round it back out to talking about graphics in general and some of the um, some of the things that when you're creating graphics, you need to be thinking about. Um, one of the things is obviously utilizing the templates if you're used if you're using Bookbrush or Canva, um, and if you're not going and actually finding what the template sizes are for each Correct. individual uh each individual platform that you're using it whether it's a book cover or whether it is facebook or tiktok or twitter or instagram make sure that you are using those templates because it does look very unprofessional if you try to upload a facebook image to twitter and they don't they don't go the the templates don't match and so cut things nope. off and um, yep. it just looks very unprofessional. Uh, my number two recommendation would be change up your colors that you're use, using because people react differently to different colors. And I know that sounds really kind of weird, but like I, personally, I love purple. I'm, I am drawn to purple. If you post something that has a lot of purple imagery in it, I am going to be more likely to stop and look at that for more than just scrolling by, it's going to catch my interest more than if, say, you post something that's yellow, got a lot of yellow in it. But for somebody else, oh. <laughs> right, 
But for somebody else, it may be the exact opposite. Maybe they like the color yellow. Maybe they just, that's a cheerful color for them. And they just, they're drawn to the color yellow. So when you're doing graphics, you want to make sure you, you're not constantly using the same colors over and over and over again. I mean, your book cover obviously is, excuse me, is going to be, you know, static. It's going to be the same because it's your book cover unless you're changing your book cover, obviously. But for graphics, you're you're going to be using the same book cover. But that doesn't mean your backgrounds all have to be the same. It doesn't mean the banners or the font colors or styles and stuff have to be the same. You can change those up to hopefully grab the attention of different potential readers. Right. So, that was one of the things that we, we, we had learned in a marketing class that Sherry right. and I had ta- taken together, was that you could have basically the same template and just change it up with colors that you, you know, colors, keep the, keep the branding the same, you know, like if your, your book cover placement, your branding of your name, the placement of that, you know, like perfect example here. I just showed one of my books here. I've got, you know, that's, that's one of the branding images is my name. I happen to have, I like it better stacked, you know, but because my, my book title is so big, it's, it, you know, it's, I needed to make it balanced. But that's the other thing is when you're talking about graphics is to make sure that whatever you decide to do, that you keep your branding consistent so that it's easily recognizable as you don't change the way that you 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 um, you put your name on your cover. Don't change the font from your name from book to book to book. Keep it the same. Mm -hmm. Keep the placement the same. You know what I mean? Um, Like for me with that one, that's horizontal but stacked actually looks better so now going forward i'm i'm going to to start using my name more stacked uh because it just has a a, a little bit more of a of a, a powerful impact when people see it they're going to remember it same thing and it doesn't have to be for every book cover it doesn't have to be for every graphic but if you're doing a series whether you're doing a series of teasers say you're you're, you're um doing graphics for an upcoming launch and you start off doing, you know, once one a month, and then it's two, two, two times a month, and then it's once a week. And then and when you're getting even closer that it's every single day, you know, until the launch and you're mm-hmm. changing things, uh, changing the colors up and so forth, keep the placement the same yeah. because then people will be looking for that. And when they see it, they'll recognize it. And Sherry, what is that, 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 um, psychology behind how many times somebody has to see something before I think they it's recognize seven it. Times, I can't remember. Unless it's changed, but it, it's, it's pretty much, it's seven times, at least seven times. If somebody needs to right. see an image or a brand uh, to, to, to basically go further, to take the next step in, in doing that. And if you have, if you're interested in learning more about author branding, we do have a previous podcast um, on author branding. And we're going to be talking right. about author branding here in the future as well. So if you're not subscribed to the podcast, this would be a great opportunity for you to do so because Marianne and Tina are yep. going to be doing a future podcast where they're going to be breaking down Marianne's branding and um, completely rebranding one of her series. So it yep. should be a like very Blood interesting podcast. Um, but I hope right. that you have enjoyed listening to our uh, podcast this week, talking all about graphics. Hopefully you have gotten some uh, insight into some do's and don'ts and maybe some pros and cons of the different platforms. And 
hopefully we'll turn tune in next week to see what we have in store for you on the next episode of bound by books have a great week bye 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 thank you for listening to the bound by books podcast for more information about the show and all of our hosts visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.